Hello, and welcome to Talking General Practice, the podcast from GP Online. I'm Emma Bauer, the editor of GP Online. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by our news editor, Nick Bostock, to look at some of the key news stories from the past two weeks. Coming up, we're discussing the government's latest push to improve access in general practice and what might be wrong with the plans. We're looking at a groundbreaking new system that's being piloted in Devon, which will see work paused for practices facing extreme workload pressures. GP leaders have suggested the system could be rolled out nationwide within a year. And we're talking about what plans to cap energy costs could mean for GP practices and what doctors say the government needs to do to address the workload and workforce crises in general practice. That's all to come on this episode of Talking General Practice. First up, as we recorded this week's podcast, the government set out its latest ideas on improving access to general practice, as well as its plans more generally for the NHS. So far, we only have minimal details on what this all means. We're recording this on Thursday morning and more information is expected later on today. But we thought it was worth highlighting what we know at the minute. Health and Social Care Secretary Therese Coffey is due to unveil a new document called Our Plan for Patients today. But what we know at the moment is based on what the government decided to press release on Wednesday evening, which basically focuses on access to general practice. So what does it say? Under the plans, GP practices will face an expectation that everyone who needs an appointment should get one at practice within two weeks and that patients with the most urgent needs should be seen on the same day. Practice-level appointment data will be published for the first time alongside the new targets. The press release suggests that rules around the additional roles reimbursement scheme could change to allow primary care networks greater flexibility to recruit more advanced nurse practitioners and GP assistants, in addition to the current roles they are allowed to recruit. The government's press release says that this will free up 1 million appointments a year, but I'm not quite sure how they've reached that figure. Pharmacists could also be allowed to supply more medicines without a prescription and community pharmacy could also take referrals from emergency care for minor illnesses in an effort to reduce pressure on practices. Meanwhile, the government also reiterated a previous commitment to roll out cloud telephony to all practices. So Nick, you've been looking at this. What's been the reaction from GPs and what are some of the concerns about the plans? Both the RCGP and the BMA have criticised the government for rolling out these plans without any consultation with general practice. And the BMA, for example, has called the plans tone deaf. I think it's fair to say that GPs are deeply frustrated that the government has seen fit to impose new access targets, targets that will raise patient expectations of faster access to GPs without any measures that will significantly expand general practice capacity. The latest workforce data from NHS Digital, which are also out today, show that the number of fully qualified full-time equivalent GPs in England has gone down by more than 300 in the year to August 2022. So there are 16% more patients per GP now than there were in 2015. Another factor here is that workloads more intense than ever in general practice, more patients, more complex patients. And pressure is being driven too by the record NHS waiting list. One GP told me last week that at least half of patients he sees are people waiting for hospital treatment who've been referred long ago potentially. uh, And because they're still waiting, they have to keep coming back to their GP for help over and over again. So ultimately, what's needed is a serious intervention to, to tackle the NHS backlog, something to tackle the cause, not the symptom of the problem. Um, and another major concern for GPs around the, the plans you mentioned to, to publish practice level appointment data, uh, which could lead to naming and shaming of practices over levels of access and speed of access. 
And a, a big problem with this is, for one thing, around 85% of appointments are already delivered within two weeks, according to NHS data. But those figures just measure the gap between booking and the appointment. So they don't make clear when appointments are deliberately booked ahead. And this could mean that for some practices, particularly perhaps those with older patient populations with more chronic conditions, uh, where patients regularly book ahead for clinics, uh, could be singled out unfairly because they're actually delivering appointments in a way that suits their patient population, but that in the statistics makes it look as if uh, there are longer waits or longer delays between booking and the actual appointment being delivered. We're expecting more information today about what else is in the plan and and maybe there's more stuff in there about tackling the backlog that remains to be seen. But um, do look out on gponline.com and you can read more about that. We'll be talking a little bit more about what doctors think um, Therese Coffey needs to do to help solve some of the problems in general practice uh, later on in the podcast. Last week, GP Online reported on a groundbreaking new system in Devon, which has been agreed by the local LMC and integrated care system to help limit pressure on practices. Under the scheme, practices facing extreme workload pressure could have quaff targets suspended and practice lists closed automatically. GP leaders in the area have also raised the possibility that the system could be rolled out to other parts of England within a year. The system is based on the Operational Pressures Escalation Levels, or OPEL framework, that currently operates in hospitals and mean that set responses are triggered when hospitals reach certain levels of pressure. Nick, you've been speaking to Devon LMC about this. How does this new system actually work? Yeah, uh, you mentioned the OPAL system that protects hospitals. Basically, that system looks at data and feedback on how hospitals across an area are performing in terms of bed capacity, A&E weights and so on, and comes up with a, a pressure rating on a four point scale. And If they're on the top end of the pressure scale, certain measures kick in automatically. Hospitals can be offered extra support, for example, to get performance back on track and to maintain patient safety. And ultimately, if if hospitals are struggling not just locally but nationally, the framework means that a national response, a major intervention to support hospitals, should be considered. NHS GPs are obviously under massive pressure and have been for some time. We've talked about heavy demand from an ageing, increasingly complex patient population and a workforce in decline. But unlike for hospitals, there hasn't been a system that triggers automatic support when practices are, are really struggling. Ultimately, this is what Devon LMC set out to address, the, the, the gap that it wanted to fill. Devon LMC launched what it calls the General Practice Alert State or GPAS system a couple of years ago. And that system collects information from practices and turns it into a county-wide assessment of pressure on general practice, which is produced weekly. Earlier this year, we reported on the fact that for almost a month, that system was showing pressure on general practice at a red alert level, uh, basically equivalent to the top of the hospital pressure scale. But at the time, there was no formal system for responding to that alert. So the really big development here is that the LMC has now agreed a framework with the county's integrated care system. So with NHS leaders for the region, that will mean when GPAS shows pressure has hit an intolerable level countywide, a list of defined responses will begin to kick in to try to take some of that pressure off. So this is really groundbreaking. It's a pilot at the moment, but the LMC says it fully expects the model to become part of normal business from January next year. 
So this is a county-wide system. So if the county is recognised as experiencing really high level of, of pressure, what exactly would happen? How would work be limited for practices? The framework agreed between the integrated care system and the LMC means that when the GPAS system shows practices are under severe or extreme pressure, measures such as suspending the quaff, pausing routine appointments, moving more to triage and remote consultations, potentially pausing non-core work with payment protection, as well as measures such as moving appointments to shared hubs can be considered. And in the same way as the OPAL system triggers defined responses linked to the level of pressure hospitals are under, this system also has tiers of preset responses and basically further types of possible intervention kick in as practices move up the pressure scale. So how does the system actually work out when a practice or part of the county has reached a level of extreme pressure? It's quite a simple system, which is something Devon LMC rates as one of the big strengths of GPAS. Obviously, the last thing practices under pressure need is something complicated to fill in when they're already struggling. This basically asks GP practices across the county to fill in information about numbers of clinical contacts each Monday and their current list size. Uh, And they then assess their RAG status. That's a red, amber, green measure of pressure based on set criteria. And they can also give some additional text comments to, to support their response. The LMC says it should take around six minutes per practice per week. Um, So it's a very small impact on time. And then the LMC converts that into a county-wide assessment of pressure on general practice. And that assessment gives a single county-wide pressure rating, it's currently amber, and also a regional breakdown within the county. So interestingly, at regional level within the county, there's currently one area rated at the equivalent of Opal 4, which is the the highest possible rating on the hospital pressure scale. And the LMC says it believes that a county-wide red alert, meaning all areas have hit that level, is almost inevitable over the coming weeks at some point. Why is Devon LMC suggesting it could be rolled out nationally within a year? What's going on with that? So Devon says um, there's no reason this system of defined responses to pressure on general practice couldn't be in place nationally by the start of the next financial year. And the LMC has had a bit of financial support from the GP Defence Fund to make the GPAS system adaptable for other areas. And around half of LMCs in the country have already adopted it and are at various stages of implementation. I mean, obviously, they all need to reach agreements with local NHS leaders in the same way as Devon has. But the hope is that now that one LMC has effectively blazed the trail, everyone else could follow far more quickly behind. Before we move on, I'd just like to highlight an upcoming one-day event by our sister website, MIMS Learning. MIMS Learning Live takes place on Thursday the 10th of November in Liverpool. It features two clinical learning streams, one focusing on chronic disease and the other on clinical challenges more generally. Topics that will be covered include chronic kidney disease, type 2 diabetes, mental health and women's health, all of which will be presented by expert speakers. The event is free for GPs and other healthcare professionals. For more information and to register for your place, visit mimslearninglive.com. So moving on to a different topic, Emma, we've been reporting about rising cost pressures for GP practices in recent weeks. And there's been a major development on energy costs since we last spoke on the podcast. 
Governments now set out the type of support businesses, including GP practices, can expect with their energy bills. So what has the government announced and is it good news for general practice, do you think? Yeah, as we talked about on the last news podcast, practices are obviously facing soaring costs that could have a huge impact on profits this year. But, you know, there has been some relief this week in details finally set out by the government to cap energy costs for businesses. So basically, this means that the government has set a limit on how much businesses, which includes public sector organisations as well, so this is basically just non-households, can be charged for gas and electricity used between the 1st of October this year and the 31st of March next year. So prices will effectively be capped at £211 per megawatt hour for electricity and £75 per megawatt hour for gas. So, I mean, those are just figures that people might not know what makes sense, but the government is saying that those figures are effectively less than half of what it thinks wholesale gas and electricity prices will reach this winter. So it's a big potential saving. It basically will apply to practices on fixed-term agreements signed on or after the 1st of April 2022, including anyone who signs a new deal this winter, and also to practices that are on variable or flexible tariffs. Practices don't need to do anything to get the savings. The suppliers will apply the discounts to bills, and then the government effectively compensates the suppliers for the difference between the charge that they make and then the actual wholesale price. For those on flexible tariffs, if there are any practices on this kind of deal, there's a maximum limit on exactly how much they will be compensated so, you know, practices in these deals might need to be aware that they could face price rises later in the winter. The government is apparently working with suppliers to allow businesses in that position to switch to fixed tariffs if that's what they want to do. So do you think this government intervention is going to benefit all GP practices? Well, it's a huge financial intervention by the government and obviously it will help a lot of practices this winter. But there are a couple of potential issues that people really should be aware of. Firstly, as we pointed out last time on the podcast, many practices will have already seen huge rises in their energy bills this year. And this help only comes into effect from the 1st of October. So anyone that's been paying significantly increased costs in the months leading up to October, they're not going to get any help for what they've already paid. Nothing's backdated. Energy prices are also significantly higher than they were this time last year. So even with this help, it's likely that most practices will be paying a lot more for energy this year than they were last year. The Federation of Small Businesses are also highlighting that some people will have signed new deals before the 1st of April, and obviously this deal doesn't apply to them. The Federation is calling on suppliers to let businesses switch to new fixed deals that will be covered by the price cap if it will benefit them. And then obviously the other thing to bear in mind is this currently only applies for six months. The government says it's going to review the scheme in three months' time and at that point then decide what will help will continue after March 2023. And that review will focus on identifying the most vulnerable businesses and also how the government continues to assist them with energy costs. So it might mean that any ongoing help after March could come in a a different form than what we're seeing at the minute. Earlier this month, uh, the BMA made a pretty forceful point that practices should clearly be considered amongst those vulnerable businesses because they obviously can't increase fees to cover increased costs. It's worth pointing out, during an interview with Sky News on Wednesday, the business secretary, Jacob Rees-Mogg, he sort of hinted that support for public sector organisations could go on for a year, but it's far from clear what that actually means. So I think to sum up, this help is definitely welcome and it will go a long way to help protect a lot of practices from 
rising energy prices this winter, but it's not going to solve all the issues practice are facing in terms of rising costs. And then there's a really big question of what happens after March. So we talked at the start of the podcast about what we know at the moment about new Health and Social Care Secretary to raise Coffee's plans for general practice. Earlier this week, workload pressures were front and centre in a letter the Doctors' Association UK, or DAUK, sent to Coffee, which set out their concerns about the future of general practice and warned that without action, up to 16 million patients could lose their GP over the next decade. Meanwhile, the BMA has also written to Coffee and Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng ahead of his mini-budget, which is expected on Friday, with their own priorities. Nick, what did the DAUK have to say? The message from GPs in the DAUK is essentially that the pressure of working in general practice in the current climate is making doctors ill. Um, And it's an appeal for the government to take this seriously and intervene to help. Their letter to Therese Coffey talked about the profession being in a downward spiral, uh, increasingly unable to meet unrealistic demands and with doctors increasingly having to get out to, to protect themselves. Uh, which obviously in turn makes pressure on those left behind even greater. The DAUK letter highlighted uh, the case of Surrey GP, Dr Gail Milligan, as well. Um, Dr Milligan took her own life because of unbearable workload pressure. And the DAUK letter argues that this absolutely tragic case has shone a light on the pressures GPs everywhere are facing and suggests effectively that it has to become a catalyst for change. Earlier this year, we we discussed a Health Foundation prediction that the NHS could lose nearly 9,000 full-time equivalent GPs by the end of the decade. We've also looked at RCGP warnings of a GP exodus as well. The DAUK used the Health Foundation prediction to estimate that 16 million people could lose their family doctor over the coming decades. That's roughly one in four of the UK population. And the letter said this could deepen health inequalities and leave patients facing a a postcode lottery, which they likened to the situation with dentistry in the UK. And that ultimately, without rapid intervention, the NHS is at risk of becoming a sinking ship. In terms of measures to address this, the DAUK calls for reform of GP funding to better reflect workload with funding better sort of linked to numbers of patient contacts that practices deliver rather than the current system, which has been described memorably in the past as an all-you-can-eat buffet. They they also talk about the need for investment in premises and equipment um, and measures to reduce bureaucracy and increase flexibility around PCN funding, um, as well as for PCN targets around increasing access, which, you know, are coming in uh, sort of as we speak pretty much to be scrapped in favour of a focus on continuity of care as, uh, you know, and and making that a a greater priority for the NHS and for general practice. What about the BMA? What do they want from the government? The BMA has written to the Chancellor and copied in the Health and Social Care Secretary, as you mentioned, ahead of the, the mini budget, which is coming this Friday. And the warning from the BMA is a stark reminder of messages they've been delivering for some time. They've reminded the government that the NHS faces the greatest workforce crisis in its history. And they've spelled out some of the measures needed to tackle it. Top of the list, measures to stop experienced doctors being driven out of the health service by problems with pensions. So that the BMA, and, and this is the kind of thing we've talked about previously on the podcast, is calling for reform of the Finance Act to stop inflation triggering big pension tax bills, even for doctors who aren't necessarily among the highest earners uh, in the health service. 
the BMA has also you know, has reiterated its favoured long-term solution to the pension tax crisis, which is a move to a tax unregistered pension system. This is similar to the one adopted for the judiciary to stop a similar problem some years ago with people being forced into early retirement. Yeah, we talked about that in a bit more detail on the last podcast, if people want to know a bit more about how that works. Absolutely. And um, there are also some warnings about the real terms pay cuts doctors are facing across the board. In general practice, in particular, this is linked to an unfunded pay rise for practice staff and salaried doctors. And ultimately, the, uh, the BMA's warning about the prospect of industrial action if the government fails to improve funding and pay for some parts of the medical workforce, if not all. I mean, ultimately, this is a big challenge to be met from this mini budget and for the new ministers who are delivering it. Yeah, absolutely. There's loads of things, really. I'm sure that people listening to this will have their own list of things that need to be fixed and their own concerns about where the NHS is at the moment. You talk there about the Doctors Association UK highlighting that working as a GP was making doctors ill and the pressures that GPs and their teams are under. I thought it was just worth mentioning another story we wrote last week about a global study on doctor burnout that was published in the BMJ. So this was a meta-analysis of 170 observational studies on the subject of burnout, which involved 239,246 physicians, so quite a lot of doctors. And what the researchers found was that doctors with burnout were twice as likely to be involved in patient safety incidents and over twice as likely to receive low satisfaction ratings from patients. I mean, this is obviously a global study, but we know that burnout is a huge problem for GPs in the UK. At the end of last year, the GMC's annual report, The State of Medical Education and Practice, found that more than half of GPs were struggling with their workload and a third were at high risk of burnout. And I think it's probably safe to say that things have likely become worse during 2022, given rising workload. I think doctors have always known that if you're exhausted and burned out and overworked, you're more likely to make mistakes. But I suppose this study provides hard evidence of that fact. So we've been talking there about the government and its plans. But I think if ministers are really serious about having an NHS that functions properly and is safe for both staff and patients, then they really need to address the pressures and strains that doctors and other NHS staff are under. Just quickly to highlight, I recently spoke to Dr. Helen Gar, who's the medical director of NHS Practitioner Health for the podcast. Most people will know that NHS Practitioner Health is the NHS service that looks after doctors and other staff who are experiencing mental ill health. That conversation is going to be on the podcast next week, and I really urge people to look out for it. We talked a lot about what steps GPs and other staff can take to try and prevent burnout and look after their mental health, as well as what people can do to support colleagues who are experiencing problems. And also about what she thinks needs to happen in the NHS to address this whole issue of the job itself making doctors ill. We don't really have a separate good news story for this week because Nick and I both felt that the Devon story we talked about at the start of the podcast really is a positive story, even though it's related to practices facing massive workload pressure. So Nick, do you want to explain why you think it's a good news story? Yeah, the reason this is a a good news story is that ultimately this agreement between an LMC and an integrated care system shows that NHS leaders can be persuaded that a measurement of pressure on general practice that demonstrates the kind of pressure that practices across a region are under should be taken seriously and merits something like this defined system of responses to maintain patient safety when practices are struggling. 
And Devon has argued successfully, ultimately, that hospitals have this predefined system for responding to system pressures. And there's no justifiable reason that general practice shouldn't have something similar. So the fact that they've got this over the line in their area, I mean, I, I should stress at this point, this is a pilot at this stage, but they are confident that it's going to happen for real from January, does show perhaps a willingness in the NHS to take this issue of pressure really seriously. It's something that's really significant because in recent years, for some time, LMCs have been calling for, you know, they've been discussing things like workload caps, measures to maintain patient safety in the face of all this pressure that practices are facing. Often, the uh, the kind of solutions that are that have been looked at are much more sort of on a national scale. You know, let's address the workforce crisis. Let's you know system wide national measures to uh, to address the problem. But the fact is here that in in this system, this is potentially a model for dealing with short term pressure that keeps a lid on things before they get out of control at a local level. And uh, and if this can spin out across the country, ultimately it could lead to a national system that could do something similar for general practice. So that's that's really positive news. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening and thanks to Nick. We're back next week when, as I mentioned earlier, I'm speaking to Dr. Helen Gar, who's the medical director for NHS Practitioner Health. It's a really fascinating conversation with hopefully some practical advice for anyone out there who may be experiencing burnout and for anyone who is worried about a colleague or a friend. In the meantime, you can keep up to date with all the news affecting general practice on our website at gponline.com. 